When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The interval is almost over, the bets are placed for the second half and the stadium doors are open again for the big return of the Premiership. It's Celtic who will get it all underway with a mouth-watering clash against Hibs on Monday and Captain Callum McGregor says the place will be rocking. So, on today's Record Celtic podcast, we've got our own rock stars to discuss what lies ahead for Ange Postacoglu and his team for the rest of the season. Our front man, as usual, is the former Celtic striker Chris Sutton, who I believe, Chris, you set the trend for the Backstreet Boys with your clobber, as you said, uh, on, a, on a recent social media thing. Wow. I <laughs> can't, <laughs> can't believe you've gone there. <laughs> on, lead, on lead guitar, we've got record sports Daniel Carr. Daniel, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Uh, how's, how's things? Yeah, OK, thanks. And carrying the kit in from the lorry, we've got Chief Roddy, record sports Michael Gannon. How are you, Mick? Not bad, S.Y. Not I bad. see you, chaps. Nice to hear from you. Ready for the restart, everyone? Excited? Chris, can't wait to get going again? Yeah, I mean, more importantly, back on this pod. I mean, that's been the big excitement for me over the Christmas period. It's like Christmas Day again, back on the pod with uh, with you three, isn't it? What fun. <laughs> Michael, can you contain your excitement at football's return or hearing Chris's voice again? About both, Troy. Yeah, definitely. I can't. I can't wait. I must admit, I find these uh, winter breaks absolutely torturous. Um, missing it, missing the football, having to contend watching the English game um, every night of the week. I must admit, it's not quite the same. I don't get my fix from Scottish football, so I'm glad it's back. Can't wait. Count to the minutes. Boxing Day hangover, Daniel. Nothing compared to a certain savaging. Are you looking forward to it? Oh, I, I can't wait. I, I was just, um, I was just thinking of the last time that I saw Chris. We were doing a bit of filming and. I was really nervous and stuff, hoping it was all going to go well. And just before they said action, Chris leaned in and whispered to me, what the hell is all, what are those trainers all about? And uh, it put me at ease, so thanks for that, Chris. I think that's a, I think that's a, I think that's a cheeky wee topical return into clobber again, Chris. Like he's getting oh. the doors. Yeah, listen, I got, tra- I got trapped into marriage 25 years ago. My wife buys all my clothes, so don't take it up with me. Although she... she <laughs> She distanced herself from my top, which I had on in New York. She, she claims she she claims she's never seen that top before. I'm not so sure. <laughs> Chris, we're, the season's ready to get going again, as we've discussed. We spoke a lot through the first part of the, the campaign, the first half of the campaign. Um, I think everybody had different expectations of what may happen and where Celtic may be placed at this stage to go again. Where do you think they are, Chris? Are they in a better place than you expected them to be, getting ready to start the second half of the season? Yeah, I think anybody who said that they, that Celtic weren't in a better place than uh, than uh, you know we expected them to be at the start of the season, when you you know said every time I come on the pod, I say the same thing. You know, look what Ange Postecoglou took over, uh, one trophy under his belt uh, already, takes the pressure off in some respects, still in a title race with Rangers to play three times, six points. 
uh, isn't that big a gap. I mean, it's a little bit of a margin. You'd have to make Rangers favourites. But with um, with the signings which Celtic uh, have made, then I think that they're in a, in a pretty good place. Now, the, the question is, is are these signings going to fire? And if they do, then who knows? But, you know, at this moment in time, going into the second half of the season, I think that virtually every Celtic fan would say, do you know what? You know, as things were to where we are now, and and the and the team is building momentum, then I think that uh, that everybody feels that Celtic are in a pretty good place. We'll get to the signings in a second, Chris, Michael. Um, same for you. Do you think they're in a better place than you thought? Well, they're certainly a better place than they were for the start of the season um, back in August, when they were getting guys going off planes and straight in the first team squad. I think they're they're much better shaped now. Um, in terms of league position. I think they've been they've been quite fortunate that Rangers hadn't quite been firing in the first half of the season. So it's kept it kept it alive at this stage, and it's six points. Is a, is a, like I said, is a, is a is a big cushion, and there's not much margin of error. But they're 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 going to this second half of the season in, in, in decent shape. The breaks are good for them. Quite negative, Mick, don't you? You know, not, it sounds like glass half empty there. Well, it's, it's mean, January. It's, the glass is empty. <laughs> no. I think I think in a positive sense that it's certainly the break came at a good time for them, didn't it? I mean, I think they've got players like Kyogo, Jota, James Forrest, Christopher Julian is well coming back, Greg Taylor. Guys who are really struggling for fitness now should be kind of getting towards uh, full fitness again. So they're in much better shape than they would have been towards the end of the the, um, the winter period. So yeah, they're, they're in good shape, but it's all about hitting the ground running. They can't. There's no real margin of error now, um, so they need, to, they need to land with that kind of. With a bang, and hope these new guys come in and make an impact. So, so Mick, so when you stripped it back, uh, you know, to the to the start of the season uh, until now, bearing in mind what Celtic were uh, going through, the transition, change of manager, the transfers at the start of the season, what did you expect uh, the position to be in terms of points gap going into the second half of the season? Twenty five points last season. Well, that's the thing. You have to look at. You have to compare it to your, to, to the rivals as well. I mean, if Rangers had the same form as last season, the league would be over by now. I mean, Celtic have already dropped quite a few, quite a few points. They're kind of where they are. If my auntie was my uncle, yeah, yeah. That's don't, true. don't go there. Don't go so there. In terms, in terms of points, in terms of points, they're kind of where they are this time last year. But because um, it's not been quite the same relentless kind of um, form across the city, they're still on the hunt, which has given them a bit of time. Listen, it's a bumpy start, but I think you look at the form since kind of October, it's been really impressive. I think they've had, what was it, one defeat in about 19 games. The, the dropping points at St Mullen was, was a damaging one before the break. That, there's no doubt that was damaging. That was a game, that, especially against a St Mullen team that was a scratch team, basically. I mean, culled together with kids. They should have got the three points that night. That was a damaging result that night. But in, in general, the form has been pretty good since October, so it, it does augur well. They have got some momentum. So they're in better shape than they were in August. In August, we didn't know what to expect from Celtic. They had a few really rocky results. It could have been, it could have gone either way. Uh, I think Aberdeen, they were Aberdeen game Pataudry. At that point, it was looking a really real bumpy ride. But they seem to have kind of stabilised and they've got some momentum. So they're in a decent shape. But it's, it's like I say, there's not a great margin of error for the second half of the season. That, that's but, nearly positive. Well, I'm, I'm a positive guy, Chris. And you don't, I mean, are you not counting, are you not counting the cup as a success? I mean, do you not count oh, cups? I mean, very, where are you on that? No, very much so. Very much so. I mean, it's, it's it's getting good. that first trophy was, was a big, big step for the manager and the new squad. Because I, I should know yourself, it, getting that first trophy is a, is a huge psychological boost for a club, isn't it? Um, so no, that is, that is a positive. It gives the manager a bit of breathing room as well. 
Um, I think the signs are all there that it's very positive. The fans are all on board. The signs have been good in the most part so far. Uh, and there's new guys arrived that people are kind of excited to see. So, no, I think it is positive, Chris. Um, but it's game on from now. Now it's what happens in the next few months, it matters. Daniel, Michael has spoken about the, the, the new Japanese lads that have arrived. It's exciting. Uh, Rio Hatate, Dyson Maeda and Yosuke Deguchi. Um, can you give us a, a flavour on what you think these guys may bring to the, to the squad? I, well, I mean, even going back to what the guys were saying there, it's even just in terms of numbers, like the games before the, the, the winter break, you would almost watch them from behind the couch, worrying about anyone getting injured. You know, Kyogo, every time he stepped in the pitch, you were wanting to just, you know, wrap him up in court mill. Um, so from a numbers point of view, it's great to have them in. Um, obviously, you know, it won't shock you guys to know I haven't watched much of the J-League, but um, the one oh, guy... Dis- disappointing, Daniel. Oh, <laughs> no, unprofessional. Unprofessional. You're on the pod for the first time. Do your research. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the one, I was going to say, but the one that does excite me is Maida from the, the little clips that I've seen. He looks absolutely rapid. He just looks like he's kind of fit into the post of Coglu, uh, um, archetypal player of just never stops running, kind of hunts down defenders. And he looks like he can finish as well. I mean, obviously top scorer in the J-League for the season that's just ended there. So I'm really excited to see how he gets on. Um, and, you know, Hatati as well, from what I've read, he can play in five, six different positions. So it's definitely going to be interesting to, to see how they go on. Not excited about Idiguchi, Daniel? Hi, <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, Chris. He'll, he'll be, uh, you know, Celtic do need a holding midfielder as well. James McCarthy hasn't quite had the impact that I thought he would. Um, so, I, of course, they need, they need numbers in there as well. But near Beaton has been a revelation this season, I think. So... So it's, it's not quite the priority. I, I think more up front with someone like Maida. Um, but I'm, of course, Chris, all three of them. I'm sure they'll, I'm sure they'll do well. Razor sharp, pacey, speedy striker in Maida. Brings us back to the Chris Sutton days. Sorry, <laughs> sorry what, what do you make him, sorry? <laughs> Why don't you <laughs> go off? <laughs> Beep! <laughs> so... Uh... <laughs> well, I'm like Daniel. I've not seen too much of the J League, so. Uh, but but um, no, in, in, I mean, what what is you know pretty amazing and you know very good for Celtic uh, is that Ange Postecoglou, uh, you know, when he came in, clearly wasn't first choice. I think there was the the debate, you know, was he second choice? He came in, you know, and said, well, it didn't matter, you know, whatever uh, choice he he was. But had Eddie Howe got the job, you know, Celtic, uh, you know, wouldn't have signed um, Kyogo. They wouldn't have signed uh, Maida, Idiguchi and uh, Hatate. And the beauty of these signings um, are that Ange Postacoglu, um, you know, know, will know these players inside out and will see them fitting into his side. So I think that that's, that's a win-win for Celtic in terms of, uh, you know, the cost of these players and, you know, talk of, is it made a 1.3, 1.6 million at the end of his loan if, if everything goes to plan, something like yeah. that. That yeah. is unbelievable. Or that, you know, look, I mean, we don't know how he's going to do, but on the face of things, the fact that he's top scorer in the J League uh, and, and, you know, the clips I've seen on him, it looks like, you know, things might come off if he gets the service. He can finish. He is quick and he looks to be an assured player. And you think, well, Postacoglu, wouldn't have uh, wouldn't have signed these players if he thinks that they're a massive risk. I mean, these these three names have been 
doing the rounds now for a couple of months. It was no surprise to see them uh, coming in. Celtic got the business done early. But on the face of things, I think that these signings look extremely positive in terms of the way Celtic um, have have played this season. They're aggressive. They are a front foot team at St Johnston. They went to three at the back, and the prospect then of uh, of, of Kyogo and, and Maeder up front. Um, I mean, would frighten the life out of a lot of sides in in the Scottish league. I'm absolutely sure about that. They have they have you know a lot of pace. Um, Mick mentioned about Christopher Julian coming back. It'll be interesting to see how long he takes to come back, and you know, and uh, and when Ange Postecoglou is prepared to chuck him in, because I do think the uh, the, the the one good point Mick has made um, today on the pod, and it is only one point, <laughs> is uh, is the fact that Celtic can't make mistakes uh, at the second half of the season. They can't afford to uh, have time for players to bed in and, and make mistakes, which they made at the start of the season. There's a title race on and, and Celtic need to be ruthless. And that starts with Hibs on Monday. The good thing is about the transfer fees, Chris, and, and you discussed the, the, the potential of maybe 1.3 million for me. If we go on recent, if we go on recent business deals with, Patrick Clamalla, for example, if uh, if Dyson Maida doesn't do well, New York Red Bulls will give Celtic 16 million quid in 18 months' time, so that's a bonus. Um, Mike, Michael, the business was done quickly for the Japanese boys. Is that an encouraging sign for supporters? Is that well, not always been the case? I was going to say, it's certainly a very un-Celtic way to do business. Um, usually it's the burning the midnight oil on, on deadline day, um, which we've experienced a few times, so on, haven't we? Yes. Um, so yeah, it's very encouraging. I think it had to happen. I think I think the manager has been expressing this for months that he needs it done quick. He can't be mucking about through January up to the deadline window closing. He wants them in, get them in. They've had a few training sessions now as well. I think at the start of the season, they were, he admits himself, they were flying by the seat of their pants, weren't they? I think Kyogo came off a plane and went straight into the, the squad at Tynecastle. Rabbit caught in headlight stuff. Um, so getting the guys in early, let them get a feel for the place. A few training sessions. I think it's been it's really really important. I think there's still business to be done, right enough. I, th- I still think that was, going to be, that, that was going to be the next question, Michael. What, what do yeah. you think? What, what do you think is still needed? I still think they're a, a bit late in the, the middle of the park. I think um, I know um, Hitati can play in that role in Edigucci. I think the guys might be more kind of squad men in the first instances. I think perhaps we don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Um, I know there was a lot of talk about uh, Riley McCree, that kind of attacking role. Another because obviously with David Turnbull's injury, uh, that's another man light in there. So I think. What, 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 what I mean, what do you make of the fact, Mick, that uh, you know McCree's thinking of uh, signing from Middlesbrough ahead of Celtic? That's. I mean, do you question his ambition if that's the case? Well, listen, there's a lot of moving parts, Chris, and it's a story that's been changing a few times this week. Um, so until he's got the scarf above the head, we don't really know what the thinking is. Um, but listen, money talks, and it, I don't think it's a case of Celtic not being able to afford the, the, the kid. I think it's a case of valuation. At some point, does, does the valuation go above what, what one club thinks he's worth? And are Celtic going to go and spend, starting to look towards four, five, five and a half million pounds for this guy? And, and listen, it might even come down to asking the manager because they've really backed hands. Well, you can't but, say he's not in back. So you might say, is this kid worth this? This is your budget. Is he worth this? They might think, well, he's a good prospect, but I don't think he's worth that. I don't well, know. What if he thinks, um, what if he thinks he's, he's going to be the difference uh, between Celtic winning the league and not? 
Well, is he, is he going with a difference between that? I, I would yeah. doubt it. There's no evidence to suggest that's the case. Um, it, look, it looks, and what we hear is a, a tidy little player. But is he a, an absolute game changer at this stage? I'm but not what, sure. All I'm saying is that if Costa Coglu turns around and says, look, listen, we might have to pay a little bit over the odds, but I need him in now, what happens then? I mean, well, Celtic, that's, that's... Celtic, Celtic missed out on McGinn, haven't they? John McGinn, I mean, that's, that's well, the famous one. I was just going to say, Chris, I, I don't think he's a John McGinn. I don't think he's... I think a John McGinn was, the in terms of what you were getting at that point in time, I think we knew what John McGinn was capable of. We knew where he was going. I think this kid is slightly more... No, hang on a minute. Nobody knew that. That, that. that John McGinn would have a meteoric rise. I mean, we knew he was a good player. Everybody knew he was talented. And we knew that Celtic made a massive error not paying, uh, you know, the money for him. But it's a similar situation, isn't it? Which well, we, listen, now, we didn't. Where, we didn't. Where, we didn't know. We didn't know him again. We'd be coming back. We're going to become an established Premier League player in England and uh, worth about fifty million quid. But we did know. Listen, we'd seen he played over hundred games for yeah. St. Mon and Hibs. We knew he was a player. We knew he was heading for the Scotland squad. We knew he would have fit in that Celtic team. No bother. So uh, uh, that was not a, a, a gamble of a signing for the money. Money um, it was going to cost. But listen, that McGinn deal as well. Listen, Aston Villa offered them a lot of money to go down there. Put up road at the red carpet and they lost out on them. It, it happens. It's it's again. I mean, if you're offering bigger contracts down south, players are going to take take the money. Um, it's up to they certainly want to or can they go and spend that kind of money on players who they're maybe not sure about in terms of where their their, their progression is going to go. But how do you know Ange Postecoglou is not sure about him? Well, that's what we don't know. He's been back before, Chris. He has been backed in the market so far. Um, so. I'd imagine there's not a bottomless pit of money, so at some point you have to wait up. Is it worth? Is it worth? Is it worth that kind of money? Well, is and he going to be, the, is, is gonna be the difference? I mean, that's you know. I mean, it'll be interesting how this pans out. I mean, at, at the time we're recording this pod, you know, something may happen in the hours after it. But you know, I think it's an interesting conversation to have. You know, with regards to whatever way we want to look at it, Celtic made a you know botched up the uh, the McGinn situation. But if uh, yeah. if this McGree is the player that, Cel- that Ange Postecoglou thinks is going to be the important one, which can see Celtic uh, overtake Rangers this season, then surely they have to find a way of getting this deal over the line. I, mean, I take that point, Chris, but I don't. I don't think Postecoglou can can say he's not been backed. I don't think he's been given a decent wedge of cash, um, particularly particularly in the circumstances of the last eighteen months, two years, pandemics and all that stuff, and, and the financial. Um, side take a hit. I think he has been backed. I mean, I mean these three signings that he's made in, in January could total up to about six million pounds as well. I mean, you look at four million for for Carl Starfield, four and a half for Kyogo. Yeah, has... how much is how much is Kyogo worth now? How much you know if they get the Jota deal done? How much will he be worth? You know, I think that I, I think that in terms of his record, which uh, you know is a good reason to back the manager in terms of the players who he's brought in. When you when you go back to the sort of Lee Congerton role and how many disastrous signings Celtic have made. Yeah, you can say, well, well, Celtic started off a low point because they were that bad last season, and players coming in sort of had to be better than last season. But in terms of financial value to the club and the deals for these, you know, three new Japanese boys coming in, and 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 the you know the made it the possibility of one point three, one point six million, whatever it is. I mean, on the face of it, that looks like it could be staggering value, doesn't it? So it suits. It suits the team uh, on the pitch, but it also suits Celtic's model and and financially, doesn't it? The club financially. Yeah, but then 
if, if it's a two million pound signing for a backup for David Turnbull, then fair enough. But if it's rising to four, four or five million pounds, at some point you think, well, is it worth that? I mean, it's all right for Middlesbrough to, to, to say that. I think it's going to be a main man. Is he going to be the main man at, at Celtic for that kind of money? I don't know. Is he going to oust um, Tom Rogic or David Turnbull when he's fit? I don't know. But the, I don't the, know. Point, the point is having strength in depth, isn't it? And, uh, you know, I think Daniel made the point about Celtic being really, really stretched and in December watching Celtic behind the couch. And, you know, I, I agree with all those points that Celtic were hanging on in there. They showed a lot of traits. They dropped the points at St Mirren, which could end up being, you know, um, bad points. Well, they are bad points, which uh, which Celtic have dropped. But they've shown a lot of good good sort of characteristics by hanging on in the title race. But the, the fact of the matter is, is, is the squad needs strengthening. Turnbull's out, you know, long term. So that midfield area, Celtic have done pretty well, I think, overall to get to this stage where they're still in the race. And now the reinforcements come in, which we all know they needed. Daniel, so, hang on, Dan, Daniel would um, just just listening to the two lads there, and, and obviously, if there, the interest was there in Riley McGreed, it would suggest that the manager would like to get another one into that position, given his workings in the market so far, and clearly the eye he's got for the global market. Would you be fairly confident that you'll have another one next in the queue? To come in, and if so, to go back to the question we asked Michael to start with, what do you expect to come in before before the end of January? Oh, I I, I think I definitely another attacking midfielder, and the way that um, Postecoglou's kind of went about his business since he's came to Glasgow, you kind of get the feeling that he could turn around and, and put Hoopy the Hound in at left back, and most of the Celtic fans would say, do you know what, I'm going to trust him. Do you know what I mean? It feels like almost every signing he's made has has been a hit. So I think you have to trust the manager. You have to. You have to kind of back him. Um, the other, the other one that I was going to jump in and say there was just that, obviously, um, Jota and Carter Vickers has to be, I would imagine, pretty high in his priorities as well because, obviously, we've you know Celtic have them for the rest of the season. But if you get them permanently, you're then kind of laying the foundations down for obviously next season and beyond. Um, so I just kind of wonder where that will fit in, how that will work with budgets, um, because I think that will be important to to Postecoglou. Daniel, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get all three's uh, views on Jota and, and Carter Vickers, but you're 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 on the on the ball just now, Daniel. So, how important is it to get these deals done before the end of January? Because we know that positive mo- noises have been made about both. Uh, there's a good. It looks like both of them are pretty close. But is it imperative to get them done this month? Because at the end of the day, Celtic know they're here until the end of the season anyway. So is it that vital to get it done? Well, the thing is, obviously we don't know the kind of ins and outs of the deals and what have you. But I mean, I've been watching Jota um, this season, and he's obviously he's been brilliant. He's been sensational for Celtic. And you kind of look at Benfica's parent club; they're having a bit of a ropey season. They're third in the Portuguese league. You kind of look at Jota, twenty-two. You'd almost think that he could still do a job for Benfica, and if not Benfica other European clubs must be watching. So if you're Celtic and you've got first refusal, uh, you know, I know six and a half million to a Scottish club is still a fair, you know, kind of chunk of change, but I would get that deal done immediately. And Carter Vickers as well. We know that uh, certainly last season, Celtic have struggled for kind of a solid defence. He looks like a kind of no-nonsense centre-back, not the tallest, but, you know, really strong. Again, the two of them, personally, if I was Foster Coglu, they would be right at the top of the priority list. Michael, Chris, Jota and Cameron Carter-Vickers, the importance of deals now 
and 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 overall, just the importance of getting them done. Full stop. Michael, you go. Oh, Mike. Uh, yeah, very much so. I think I think getting done sharpish is is imperative, purely because their value and their stock is rising by the week uh, at Celtic. Um, Carter Vickers had, had slightly dodgy start, but he found his feet and he's looked all right, a real rock at the back. Jota looks like the kind of player that Celtic really need, that kind of game changer. The, it, it's um, He's been sensational. Uh, it's a real shame he got injured uh, before the break there. He's a huge player for Celtic. They need to do the, I think they need to do the business sharpish because the, these boys are going to be in demand. And it's all right having breakout clauses and all that stuff, but, but when they value rockets, that doesn't matter. Um, so, yeah, get them get them tied down sharpish before before someone else does. I think that's the, the key to it. Because, the, again, though, you're talking about, what, 12, 13 million pounds, a big chunk of next year's budget as well, but these guys are so important and I think it won't matter. I think that's they need to get the business done uh, if they can do it in, in pronto. Russ, is it, is it Swanee, is it not about sending a message uh, as well to the, to the support in backing the manager and saying, you know, we we want to get back to being uh, a stable club. Uh, our, our team is building momentum on the pitch. I think that that's been clear to see all season. So by by signing Carter Vickers, and I think he's been excellent uh, this season. Mick might, you know, might be fair in terms of a little bit of a slow start. He made mistakes. Jota, we know the talent that he he has. What message would it send if Celtic don't tie? these players down. I think it's and an that, important message, Chris, because last season well, a lot of the supporters were very unhappy about the fact there were so many lone players in the team. You know, they, they like absolutely like that. But they couldn't see a definitive long term plan because everyone was going, well El Eunice is going to leave at the end of the season, what's going to happen then? So that gives clarity. So that that would be yeah, my absolutely and, and yeah and and you know what of course uh, the league is is everything. But Celtic have to look beyond whether they win the league this season, don't they? In terms of uh, the team which Ange Postacoglu is building, again, going back to what he what he inherited, what he came into and where Celtic are now. Celtic have an identity. His signings have been pretty good. Now, with the Van uh, Broncos impact which he's made across the road at Ibrox, you have to say it's going to be a tight title race. But Celtic can't uh, can't. Uh, think that that is the be-all and end-all. I think that there's a trust element now to Ange Postacoglu. He has that important first cup uh, under his belt. And if Celtic do end up, um, you know, losing the league, which is a, you know, which is a possibility, uh, then they will still have a strong foundation in place for the start of next season. And I think that that is really, really important. And this will be a, a, a team which um, we can judge more fairly in terms of uh, the manager because it will be his team next season which the signings he's made this season he's been you know he's he's been struggling to get teams out in the early part of the season you know it's not been his team he's inherited a lot of players who underperformed last season and at this moment in time all things being equal he's done a pretty sound job Is it also fair comment Chris to suggest that it gets Celtic back to their template and back to their model because for the last four or five years the squad value has always been very high. You've gone through the squad and it's, well, they could get £20 million for Odson Edward and they could get X for Chris Iron and they could get this for Tierney and they could get this for... But you were sitting in September, October and the value of the squad wasn't that high because the saleable assets had been sold other than Callum McGregor, really, and the Celtic aren't going to take any money for Callum McGregor. Callum McGregor's likely to be there for life. 
um, judging listening to the way he speaks. The value had gone down, so that would be a way of you, you get Kyogo has come in and is and is now doing well. His value's up, but as you've said, what will Jota be worth if they get him done? And in a couple, mm-hmm. of, you know, you're starting to add value to the club again and bringing the value of the squad up again. Is that important? Yeah, I think it is, and you know, it just shows. I think you know we've done columns for years now. You know, every year we bang out a column on the importance of recruitment, and you know that it's a massive part of of any football club. And and we know that the the market that Scottish clubs are in, and Celtic and and Rangers are in a gambler's market. They they can't sign complete players, which clubs that uh, the wealthy clubs down south can do. So they have to sign uh, development players. As such, but the fact that Postacoglu, I mean, everybody's, uh, you know, really excited for the signing of Kyogo. I mean, you know, he he has been a revelation, and the fact that Postacoglu has gone back into the, you know, the Japanese well and brought three new three players uh, in who he would he would you know know uh, their characteristics and the way that they play. I think everybody's really excited about that. He hasn't got many wrong, and when you think the Carter Vickers one, I mean. Uh, was it seemed to be a punt that was a last gasp uh, signing from Celtic, but it, you know it's worked out well and he's proved himself on the pitch. And you know, and, and that's the way that um, that's the way that you know whether we like it or not that players' values increase uh, in terms of you do well on the pitch, you, you know your value increases. With Odson Edward, who's doing uh, very well in the Premier League down south, you have to say. That his last season at Celtic was thoroughly, thoroughly disappointing. Hence, why his value dropped. But you know, a season before that, he was looking an absolute world beater. So you know, the importance of uh, of consistency and performing well on the pitch can't be underestimated in terms of value of the squad. Daniel, just a quick one, if I can ask you about um, one of the what, what, one of the sad parts of the break has been the confirmation of the news that David Turnbull will be out for a couple of months. Big blow for the lad and a big blow for the team, isn't it? No, absolutely. Just um, as it, it kind of looked like he was growing in importance to uh, Ange Postecoglou's team. I, I know it can be it can be a bit frustrating at times. David Turnbull can't he? He likes to to kind of shoot from anywhere, and it's almost it reminds me a little bit of Ryan Christie. Do you know what I mean? That Ryan Christie would like you know love a shot. Um, but the end product was there, Daniel. Aye, that's what I was going to say. But the assessor there. Aye, absolutely. I, I think he's got the makings of being a a brilliant Celtic player. Hopefully for the next best part of the next decade. I know obviously money talks down south. He's been linked with a couple of moves. Um, but I think he's such a talented player. Um, and I, it's, it's a shame because it looked like he was just kind of kind of getting going under Ange. Michael, massive return against Hibs on Monday, as, as we've discussed. But there's many big games coming thick and fast after. The programme is utterly relentless um, with Europe as well. 30 April's games against Hearts and Rangers right at the start after the Hibs game as well. It's going to Will be that be on? Big, big Will that period. Rangers game be on? Well, we'll get to that, Chris. <laughs> don't don't forget Alawa. <laughs> don't forget Alawa. <laughs> Is Alawa in the cup as well? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't forget Alawa. It's, no, it's important for Celtic to make a fast start, isn't it? It is, absolutely. It, absolutely. As I mentioned before, there's no margin of error. Um, the games are going to come thick and fast, but that can work both ways. That can build momentum very quickly. So a good start can can really get them up and running and carry them forward. The, the, listen, the, the big derby, that's the one we're all looking at. That's going to be absolutely crucial. Um, 
whether or not it happens or not, that's the thing, that's is, the thing is, Michael, record. it's only crucial if, if, if Celtic take maximum points at Tyne Castle and take the, the three point. points off Hibs because if they Good, go yeah. on against Rangers 10 points behind, it doesn't matter. No, that's true. They can't look too far ahead, that's for sure, because they've got big games before they just did. I know, but we can't help it. This is Glasgow going. This is this is Glasgow. Um, the big showdown in the horizon. Um, but that that is that is the one. If they can get into that game unbeaten and, and, and take points in that game, then we really are uh, in for a in for a thrilling kind of end of the season. But they, they they have to. They just. I mean, it's interesting. The new signings are going to be really intriguing. How they how they settle. Um, how they're going to play? I mean, Chris, what? How do you think Meda and, and Kyogo is going to work up top? When I mean, you get Jota coming back, Abada there, James Forrest coming back. What is he going to stick with the front three? Is he going to go two up top? What, I don't know what how he's going to quite play it. Who gets put out to the side? Or I don't know what he's. It's going to be interesting to see how how these two work together because um, it yeah, might need a wee yeah. tweak formation. I don't know. Yeah, well, firstly, you know, it was good that Swanee, you, you know, uh, made the point that there are, you know, other teams in Scotland other than Celtic and Rangers. I, I uh, mentioned in, Allah. In, in, uh, <laughs> in, in, terms, in terms of how they play. I mean, you've had enough problems with a lot of league teams in Scotland starting recently. That's it. <laughs> 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 in, in terms of the way they played, you know, they, you know, he, he played a different formation against St Johnston. The importance is, and going back to what Daniel said, is you know, Celtic, the Celtic squad was so thin on the ground, and now that uh, now that uh, he has numbers at his disposal, hopefully the quality as well, and so he'll have options, competition for places. Jack Amakis, uh should be coming back as well, and he'll offer that sort of physicality as a you know different type of centre forward. And maybe he'll have a part to play in the uh, the second part of the season. But the importance is, and this is where Celtic um, were behind Rangers, in the fact that I think Rangers' squad strength was stronger. Now Celtic are closing the gap with regards to that. There's been several occasions on this podcast when we have uh, had reason to have a pop at authorities and decisions that haven't been made properly. So, Chris, there was a... A lot of furore in certain areas uh, when the decision was made to bring the winter break forward a week in the hope that the supporters could return when the games returned in the top flight. Are they due a pat on the back for once? Yeah, uh, I, I think so. I know that the, you know that most of the clubs, there are only a couple of clubs who didn't want to do that. And, you know, let's get it right. I, I think we all understand, understand self-interest, but I think it was, uh, you know, was the right decision uh, to bring the um, the break forward, and uh, and should we be giving Neil Doncaster a bit of praise? I know you boys love to give him a kicking at times, but should we not be saying well done, Neil? Neil's just the club's Chris. That's what he tells us. <laughs> it's looking like decision right enough, isn't it? it? Does look like decision now? Should we um, be giving Neil Doncaster a bit of credit, Mick? Well, okay, let's give him a bit of credit for, for pulling the, the clubs together for once to get to agree on something. Usually can't agree on the colour of the curtains at Hamden. Um, <laughs> so I, I suppose, I suppose, yeah, it's an um, unenviable task he's got, Neil. Does anybody have curtains these days? I'm not even sure. <laughs> well, blinds, aren't they? Yeah, we'll get a, we'll get a few. Uh... Mick, just to jump in there, honestly, see the stick that these guys have given you. See if you want me to have a word with Chris off air. I'll do Oof. it. Just let me Oof. know. Oof. Oof. 
Uh, you're, you're a brave man. You're a brave man. I'm, I'm just glad we're, uh, we're uh, remote. We're not in the same room. I couldn't, I couldn't take the elbows in this place. <laughs> but, uh, but no, it's fair play. We'd rather have fans in the grounds. Listen, I, I would... Listen, the Scottish football is, is handcuffed to the government's um, um, rules. And I can't understand why they done it in the first place, to be honest. It would be ridiculous. That's 500 fan cap put on um, immediately. It was absolutely bonkers. Rugby would be all right, Mick, wouldn't it? Well, exactly. The rugger, the rugger chaps would be okay for the Six Nations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you look at England. England have carried on, and it's um, with full houses, and it's the same, and it's absolutely no difference whatsoever to the terms of numbers of, of COVID and all this carry on. So it was a completely stupid idea that was um, applied in the first place. So I'm, I'm glad that they've seen a bit of sense and they've, they've reverted back to the, back to normality. The only problem I think I've got in the current situation is is keeping out the squads and keeping the squads intact. That's the problem. And I think they see in England where the game's getting postponed and it's a bit chaotic. That's more of a problem. I don't think the fans in the stadium are a problem. So I'm glad that they're back because, listen, we've been at these games for a year and a half. The, 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 the closed-door games are absolutely miserable. Um, so we want full houses. So that's been a, it's proved a good decision. Trish, just in, in, in answer to your question, just to clear it up, I have uh, blinds in H-wing and J-wing. I have curtains in A-wing and B-wing <laughs> and clear windows and the patio doors at the back. Blimey. No, Norfolk's a bit back in time, Swanee, so we, we still have curtains. You still get shutters, Chris? No. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got shutters, Mick. No. I, um, I went to state school. <laughs> Daniel, the fixture list is going to be tight now, but obviously there is discussions already and talk in the air about the... Chris mentioned it briefly there, and we'll get the views of all three of you guys on this. You can clear up the situation on the international call-ups and what it will take to for Celtic to make a request to have a game postponed because there is a lot of talk that the with, with players like Kyogo and Tom Rodgers having to go away that there may be in Cameron Carter-Vickers there may be a chance that Celtic will be so depleted they may call for games to be called off. Can you give us a, a line on that? What you I think, think may happen? I think I think the, I think I'm right in saying the rule is if you've got three players or more called up. Um, for competitive fixtures, international fixtures, you can apply for a postponement. Now, I, it was on this podcast, in fact, I think last week, I said to a couple of the guys that, and I took stick for it, if I was Ange Postacoglu, I would I would make the most of that. I, look, no one wants to see games postponed. I'm looking forward to, to this game as much as anyone else. But if you're Ange and your whole season kind of hinges on this game, winning or losing it, and you might have, as you say, Kyogo, Rogic, um, Hatati, uh, Idaguchi, Maida. I, I would, I would utilise every option available to me to make sure I won that game. And if you know the options there to potentially postpone it, so you have all your your, your best players available, I would definitely look at that. Michael, it's not Celtic's fault the fixture list is cluttered. They've got to look after themselves. No, no, it's um, listen, it's the kind of it's kind of danger of recruiting that. Um, players from other parts of the world that their, their calendars aren't quite matched up to the European one so it does make it kind of tricky um, but I mean you think Kyogo is a definite for the Japan squad you think Hitati touch and go maybe I don't think Idiguchi would called up uh, Rogic so it's going to be kind of borderline um, Carter Vickers again question mark maybe he's in the frame I think if they can't if they don't have those players available then you think yeah use the rules to your advantage I think Rangers did it a few years ago against Forfar. I think they called a game off. I think Alan McCoy. The thing about that is, Michael, it wouldn't just be one game, would it? That's the thing. If, if you, you would, you, 
you're looking at calling off maybe two or three. Well, I think it's you're looking. Yeah, Dundee United at home, Rangers at yep. home, and Motherwell away. I, I think, think they, they, just they, one game in isolation. So. Yeah, but if you're losing, if you're losing four players for those three games, and it's not just four players, four key players, especially especially if it's Rogic and Kyogo, um, then yeah, I think you have to use the rules to your advantage. But then it's a double-edged sword because then your, your fixture list is a bit chaotic, and, you, and who knows where they sort it in? Because I think now there's, there's there's no kind of gaps in the in the fixture list to fit these games in. Um, so it's it's an absolute minefield. But I doubt the manager. The manager might fancy going with it even if they lose these guys. He has he has kind of patched up, made do in the past um, with what he's got. So he might he might just choose to go ahead and do it. Um, but I, I say I, I, it might well be that he negotiates with the countries as well that. That some of them maybe set it out. Maybe the Japanese boys. I know there's talk about only playing the, the the home base players in these guy these games. But that's been kind of chopping and changing on a weekly basis. Um, that would be a big help help for them. Um, but I think that was just a balance. I think that was going to be the original friendly match, wasn't it, Michael? Yeah. And the World qualifiers. It was going to be everyone. Yeah, yeah. It's a tricky one. I, if he's losing these players, I would be inclined to call it to call it off. But you can't keep postponing this game. You can't keep delaying it. At some point, you're going to need to play it. Chris? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, do Celtic want to win the league or not? Uh, and if they want to win the league, then they stand a far better chance of doing that with, with their best players inside. And, you know, you mentioned three big games. Celtic can't afford to drop points. So, you know, Celtic are quite within their rights to call the game off. And I think Mick made a, you know, an, you know a pertinent point is Rangers fans might complain about that. But I think they, they called games off and they were in Division 3, didn't they? Against Cowdenbeath and Forfar or whoever else. Uh, you know, and Ali McCoy's was manager, so there can't be complaints on the other side. They have to do what's right for them. Chris, was it division? Was it division three? I think it. I think. I think it was. I think it was. Yeah, back in the old days. I mean, it, I mean that. I mean that is. I mean that is. Whatever way you look at it, that's going somewhere, isn't it? <laughs> back in those weird, weird, showing wacky days. Respect, showing full respect to all levels of opposition, Chris. No, just I'm just stating an obvious point. That's fine. Um, <laughs> you don't you don't agree? Uh, yeah, I agree. I'll just agree with you so we can move topic. Um, what are you looking forward to seeing most in the second part of the season, Chris? Let's Mick let's, Gannon. let's wrap this up. Mick Gannon in the flesh. Oh, <laughs> it's been a while, Chris. There's a lot of flesh. There's a lot of flesh just now after Christmas. <laughs> No, I'm uh, honestly. I'm looking forward to uh, you know. You didn't have to say it honestly at the start of that. We kind of hoped you were kidding. <laughs> we can edit that bit out. We can edit that out. Uh, no, I'm looking forward to a to a one hell of a title race. I I really uh, admire the work that Van Bronckhorst has done at Rangers since he's he's gone in. He just seems to go about his business, and they seem to have gone up a level. Now it's it's with Celtic's new signings coming in. Um, can they hit the ground running? Can they can they push Rangers three more uh, games against Rangers this season and hang on in there? I didn't I didn't see a title race at the start of the season because of how far Rangers are ahead, and it still may uh, pan out that uh, that Rangers will kick on and, and, and win, the, win the league pretty comfortably. But I just sense that Celtic have the right manager in place. They, they, they've gained momentum throughout the season. And if they keep key players fit and these signings come off, then I think it's going to be one hell of a race, which is great for Scottish football. Michael? Yeah, I want to see... I'm hoping for a, a thrilling title race. Lots of uh, 
fallouts and fighting and drama and the usual kind of um, box office stuff. I think it's going to be um, going to be a that part of, from um, the podcast. But apart from apart from our weekly hour, um, yeah, I hope it's going to be fun and, ga- fun and games all the way. I, I think I can't give you lots of fighting. Oh, I love, I love a bust up in, in Scottish football. Love it, absolutely love it. I think I think it's I think as Chris says, I, it might be this year. Celtic might not quite have enough to get over the line this year. Um, but I, I, again, I think you've got to give the, the, the manager a bit of kind of leeway this year because he's building something. Uh, if he can produce a title race that goes to the wire, we'll all, we'll all be sitting back and lapping it up. So, uh, yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Daniel, I think Michael meant um, fighting in the, the verbal sense and not back to the dark days. I'd love, I'd love to say that was true. We're seeing in Melbourne at the moment. Um, what are you looking forward to seeing in the second part of the season? <laughs> um, well, obviously, just to echo what the guys said, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this Celtic team progresses under Postacoglu, but also, um, and words that I never thought I'd be saying at the start of the season, I'm actually looking forward to the next round of the Europa Conference League and the tie against Bodo Glimt, because I think that is the making... How disrespectful. <laughs> I think yeah, that's quite. That is the making <laughs> of a goal fest. I think that's going to be a great tie. Um Obviously, we know they, they hammered Roma 6-1, didn't they, early in the competition. So, it's going to be fascinating. It definitely won't be boring. Um, and I think there'll definitely be plenty of goals. And if Celtic even... I, I know it is the third tier of European football. If Celtic can get to the last stages of that, the fans won't care. They, they'll be absolutely loving it. Daniel, I'm not, look, I'm not looking forward to interest in the Conference League. Um, <laughs> what, 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 what do you think Celtic are going to achieve between now and May? Final question for the three. What, what's what's realistic? What can a Celtic fans hope for? More silverware? I, I think so. I, I mean, obviously, we've got Scottish Cup as well. I do agree with the guys in the sense that I think the league is going to be... I think it'll be a big ask. A six-point gap at this stage. And to be perfectly frank, I think Rangers have got a bit lucky. I think they've almost upgraded Steven Gerrard, you know, with a, a more experienced, a more kind of nuanced coach. Um, so I think it's going to be really tough. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that they've got lucky with that. I mean, well, you know, it's it's it looks on the face of it like good recruitment, doesn't it? Aye, that's true. That's that's true. I just mean in terms of they weren't anticipating Gerard leaving. You know, you know him. You know, leaving to go to Aston Villa and then managing to to kind of. I, I do think he has an upgrade on Brunkhorst. I, I really do. Um, so, but anyway, I, I think it will be a big ass to league this season. You've got the Scottish Cup, and I think just watching this team progress generally, the, the, the way they play is brilliant. It's, a, it's great to watch, so plenty of stuff to play for. Talking of upgrades, Daniel, to Michael, you've got the final say. <laughs> but, but Daniel, Daniel was talking about looking forward to, to Bodo. I'm, I'm not sure I'm looking forward to the Arctic Circle and um, £13 a pint. Especially when, when Chris is dodging rounds as usual. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of expectation, I, I think uh, a title race and I think uh, Scott, I think the Scottish Cup could be a, a good target as well. So I would actually I can think I can see something winning the Scottish Cup and going close in the league. Will you be buying the drinks in bottle, <laughs> Chris? Yeah, well, I I, I would have done, uh, but I think I'm going to be in the studio that night, so. That's very disappointing, yes. Yeah, so I, I won't be there, but I hope you have a nice time. Make £13 a pint. You're having the cheap lager, are you? Well, uh, we'll get we'll do a Zoom call, Chris. <laughs> you, you, put your, you put your credit card over, over Aye, the Zoom. Just, just say <laughs> Chris, that'd be great. Why use one word when 15 would do? The answer he meant, Michael, was no. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you very much 
for your time. Much appreciated. I think everybody's looking forward to the second half of the season and we're all excited about what's to come. So thanks a lot, guys, for your time. Much appreciated. And thanks a lot to you all for listening. Good luck. Bye.